Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Hallelujah. All right. Perfect. Well, let's get going. I don't see any comments jumping on just yet. So, that's all right. Hallelujah. All right. Father, thank you for this day. I just praise you. Lord, I'm so grateful to be your servant. I'm so grateful to have access to this word. I'm so grateful for the people that you're going to bring into this to hear this message. Uh, that, that you have something that you want to share with them. You want to get across to them. Lord, it'll change their life forever. So, Lord, I thank you for this word. I just decree, declare, according to the word you've given us, and you're not a liar, that this word will go forth. It will produce fruit in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Somebody's life is changing forever when they hear this message. I believe that. I decree it. I declare it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you guys have your Bible, turn over to Luke chapter 9. We're going to read 1 through 6. Luke chapter 9, 1 through 6. And I would seriously love, love, love to hear from you. If you're watching this, love to interact with you in the comments. Luke chapter 9, 1 through 6. Let's go ahead and read that. This is seven lessons from Luke 9 about provision. A lot of people don't know anything about provision. A lot of people don't know what the Bible says, the Bible promises, how God promises to meet our needs. You know, they have no faith to believe the Lord for practical things in their life. A lot of people feel guilty about believing God for practical needs in their life, for day-to-day -day things, small things, big things. You know, they think that it's wrong to believe God for money. They think that, like, God's disinterested in that. Like, God's not, you know, worried about provision in your life. God's not worried about your needs being met. God's not worried about these things. He, you know, we think that God is just some ethereal being that has no relationship or connection to us, and he's not concerned with these things. And I want to show you, I want to show you the Bible actually teaches the exact opposite. So this is seven lessons from Luke 9 about provision. Today we're going to cover lesson number one. So let's read the text. Chapter 9, 1 through 6 says, On that day, Jesus called his twelve disciples, and he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So Jesus gives them authority. And this is just amazing because this is going to help you to kind of set the story up here. This is the first time that these guys are being sent out by themselves. You know, they had been walking with Jesus. They had been watching Jesus do the miracles, Jesus do the preaching, Jesus do the teaching, Jesus do the healing. Well, now Jesus is, is giving them the power, the anointing to do this. And he's saying, now just like you've been watching me do this, I'm sending you out into these cities ahead of me, and you're going to do what I've been doing, what you've been seeing me do. And it says, so he sent them out. 
Look what he says in verse 3. Take nothing. We're, this is going to lead to the first point. If you're in the comments, I want you to write nothing. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Uh, he says, wherever you go, stay in the house until you leave town. He said, a town, if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust off your feet and leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down for number one. Let's just get right into this. I'm going to get a highlighter and a pen. We'll do this Bible study style together. Number one, write this down. God will provide all your practical needs. Take a second and write that down. God will provide all your practical needs. God will provide all of your practical needs. This is the first lesson from Luke 7. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 9. First lesson from Luke chapter 9. Number one, God will provide all your practical needs. Hallelujah. So you think about this. As I said, this was their first time being sent out. The first time. And it's just, you know, Jesus didn't do that by accident. Jesus was intentional. He literally told them, take nothing with you. Don't take clothes with you. Don't take food with you. Don't take money with you. Don't take a walking stick with you. Take nothing with you and go. Why was Jesus trying to, you know, why did Jesus tell them to do that? What was, what was the point that he was trying to get to them? He was trying to teach them, go, just go to where I've told you to go, do what I've told you to do, take nothing with you. And he was trying to show them that God would provide for all of their needs. We know this because I want to show you something. Look at Luke 10, 17. So Jesus sends them out and he tells them, take absolutely nothing with you. And, and, and then they come back. You know, and this is what's so amazing about this in the Bible is they came back and they weren't, you know, crawling on the ground. They weren't all beat up and bruised up and their ribs were showing and they're like, oh my gosh, Jesus, we've been fasting for two weeks. You know, you told us to take no money and we went out there. We almost starved to death. It was so hard. That's not what they said. If you look at Luke chapter 10. Uh, the book of Luke actually gives us the same account when Jesus sent them out. And this is what he said. They came back when the 72 disciples returned. It says they joyfully, I want you to say joyfully where you're watching from. They joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we use your name. So this is the first lesson Jesus was trying to teach them. Y'all, and this is like basic Christianity. We're going to get into this for a moment. But the first lesson that Jesus was trying to teach them is that God will provide all of your needs. You know, when he sent them out, they came back and they were rejoicing. They came back joyfully. 
They came back with testimonies. And I can just imagine what was solidified on the inside of their heart. They were like, look, the Lord sent us out and we saw God provide. We saw God provide our food. We saw God make you provide the way for us. We saw God provide places for us to stay, food for us to eat, money for us to spend. The Lord literally provided for us. And this was the fundamental, you know, foundational thing that Jesus was trying to instill in his disciples. The thing that he wanted them to get on the inside of them from the beginning is that God will provide all of your needs. Jesus knew as they grew older and he left and now they're going to be running the, you know, the, the early church, the book of Acts church. They needed to know, they needed to have this rooted on the inside of them in order to fulfill their call. In order to fulfill their ministry, they needed to know God will supply all of my needs. Hallelujah. This is exactly what he said in Matthew 6, 33. He said, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he, God, will give you everything that you need. Hallelujah. You know, this is like basic Christianity. And this is something that the reason I'm taking time to talk about this is a lot of people, they don't talk about this. They don't teach about this. There's a lot of Christians that are still struggling. There's a lot of Christians that are still living in worry. There's a lot of Christians that believe, you know, in this distant God that will maybe if they, you know, they'll go to heaven one day, maybe they won't go to hell. That's the, that's the extent of their knowledge. But they suffer here on earth. They suffer in this life. I mean, they don't understand this foundational principle, number one, this lesson that I'm going to try to drill into your head today, that God will provide all of your practical. Can you say practical? God will provide all of your practical needs. Let's just continue to read this. You know, and I want to tell you how, how important that is. We're going to read Matthew 6 in a moment. But even going into the ministry, you need to learn that. Because if you don't understand this first lesson, there's so many things you'll never do. You know, there's things, what if there's an assignment that God has for you? And and let me just preface this by saying, everything that the Lord assigns you to do, it takes faith. You know, we in our human minds, we want everything to just make sense. We want to have it all stacked up and... You know, I don't want to just start a church where I have to believe, right? Where I have to start with nothing and believe God for my bills to be paid. Believe God for these lights to stay on. Believe God for payroll to be met. No, I would rather just have this big, beautiful building that's already renovated, that's already got a million dollars in the bank, just hand it over to me. Like, that's the way that we think. And that's that's honestly like what a lot of people are waiting for before they'll ever go forth and do anything, but it doesn't work that way. There will be places that, that God will call you to go that there's nothing. I remember when the Lord called us to East Texas. You know, these are lessons that I've learned that I've seen in the scripture, but I've seen true in my, in my own life. When God called us from New Mexico to East Texas, we moved out here with nothing. You know, we moved out here with my sister and brother-in-law, but I'm talking like we had saved up a little bit of money. We probably had, uh, which was a lot of money for us then, 
just a few thousand dollars, like $3,000. We had worked really hard for months and months and months to save up after paying our bills, putting this back. And that's what we had to, to live off of. When we, kept, when we got here, you know, I didn't have a job. My wife started a job. The Lord provided a job, but I was immediately looking for work. And the Lord gave me a, a, you know, ended up giving me a decent job. But my point was this, you know, God called us to a place where we had nothing. And it, and it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense for us to step away from something that was going really good. It didn't make sense for us to step away from something that seemed that was really secure. We were working in the ministry in New Mexico. We were doing better financially than we had ever done before. You know, we didn't have a ton of responsibility. It was easy. We enjoyed it. It was we got to work with family. It was great. Uh, it just didn't make sense. And if I would have thought, looking back now, if I would have had that mindset, I would have never even came here. And then I would have never started New Beginnings in Huntington, Texas. I would have never been pastoring this church. You know, I would have been restricted. I would have never stepped into the greater things, the better things. You know, now we do way better financially than we did then. But we had to step into this place of the unknown and I look back now, I completely, we just trusted the Lord. We came out here. We didn't really have any jobs. We had no church connections. We moved into this old farmhouse that needed a lot of work. And it, don't get me wrong, it was a great blessing. But, it, you know, it just didn't make a lot of logical sense. It didn't make a lot of sense. And this is the fundamental just doctrine, truth, that you need to get on the inside of you. God will provide all of your practical needs. When you get saved and you enter into covenant with God, there is a Bible promise that all of your needs will be met. So people will say, John, you're, you're going to tell me, you know, if I give my life to Jesus that, uh, you know, that he's going to make sure my bills are paid and I'm not going to have to struggle anymore. And, you know, preachers actually preach the opposite. They'll sit there and tell you, just because you get saved doesn't mean, you know, you're not going to struggle anymore. Doesn't mean that life ain't going to chew you up and spit you out. Just because you, they'll preach stupid things like that. But that's not what the Bible says. Jesus modeled for his disciples. He intentionally sent them out and told them to take nothing. And then they came back rejoicing because they had it instilled in them. God will provide all of our needs. If I just simply seek first the kingdom of heaven, and live righteously, do what God told me to do, keep sin, keep the devil out of my life, he will give me everything that I need, Matthew 6, 33. And it's true for every believer. If you will simply live on assignment, do what the Lord has called you to do, he'll provide everything for you. Amen. We're going to get into more of these things specifically. And they came back. It worked. This is a fundamental message. I want to show you Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Get this in your spirit. You do not have to worry about anything. Amen. Excuse me. You do not have to worry about anything. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Look at 24, and we're going to read it through the end of the chapter. It says this, 
No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love another. You will be devoted to one and despise another. You cannot, look at this, you cannot serve both God and money. There's a lot of people that you, they need to learn this. You cannot serve God and serve money. You have to choose. You can't, because if you're serving money, you'll never serve God. And the reason a lot of people are serving money is because they don't have this fundamental reality, this truth rooted in them. God will provide all of my needs. They don't really believe that. Maybe they've never been taught that, that God will provide all of your needs. You don't have to go out and make it happen for yourself. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus was literally telling them at the end of this chapter we're going to see in matthew chapter 6 i just read it but seek first the kingdom and live righteously and all these things will be added to you or you'll have everything that you need he was trying he instilled inside of his disciples you don't have to go out and make it happen for yourself and and i know we have this american dream and a lot of people just live like this we just chase after things right we want a boat so what do we do we take extra hours we we at work and i'm there's nothing wrong with having nice things there's nothing wrong with making good money and buying nice things that's great and that's wonderful but my point is we think that we have to make these things happen for ourselves and so we end up living a life where we serve money we serve money you know we're just chasing after money because we think that if I can obtain money, money is the, the tool. If I get money, then in turn, I get the life that I'm desiring. But that's actually opposite in the kingdom. And I know a lot of people would crucify, you, crucify me for saying this. But you don't have to chase after money. Jesus actually said, just chase after my kingdom and all these other things that people are killing themselves to try to get. I'll give you. I'll give it to you for free. Chase after my kingdom live for me do what i've called you to do and everything else you'll get for free hallelujah the house you get i'll give it to you for free the boat that you it's you have a desire you like to fish look the lord he's got no problem with you going out and fishing amen he's got no problem with you enjoying yourself all these other things that people kill themselves to get in life, he says, I will add it to you, but you have to do this one thing. You can't live a life where you are trying to serve both masters. You have to decide. Either I'm going to serve the Lord and trust him. He's going to bring these things to me. I believe God. He'll bring me the house that I could have never built for myself. He'll bring me the promotion I could have never done for myself. You know, people go out and try to kill themselves. I imagine Joseph in the Bible, a man that had favor. I mean, you talk about favor everywhere that he landed, Potiphar's house, favor, just promoted to the top, prison, promoted to the top, gets you know brought to Egypt, promoted to the top, pretty much ruling the most powerful country in all the world. You think about all these people, I think about in prison, you know, or even in Egypt. When Joseph was promoted by the Pharaoh to being like the right-hand guy, the one that's pretty much running the country, imagine all of those people that, that were sitting underneath the Pharaoh, kissing his butt, 
for all those years. You know, just they sacrificed so much. They never had a good life. They never had a family. They never did anything enjoyable. They're just sitting there in the flesh trying to make this happen, trying to get promoted, trying to be at the top, you know. And, and, and then here comes this guy named Joseph that has the blessing of the Lord upon him, the hand of God upon his life. And it's like just supernaturally, he just has a dream. He didn't even have to earn it. He didn't have to work for it. He just literally went to sleep one night, had a dream, and then, you know, was able to interpret a dream. And, and the Lord literally took him to the top supernaturally. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Seek first my kingdom. Live for me. And you don't have to go out and by blood, sweat, and tears and sacrifice, kill yourself to try to obtain success in life. I will add those things to you. And in fact, if you live that life, you cannot serve me because you won't do the things that I call you to do. The things that God calls you to do oftentimes are like the opposite of what you think you should actually be doing. It's like the Lord, the kingdom just works completely different. Like, you know, the Lord will take you down a route that in your mind, you see success. Here's success. And in your mind, if you were, were to build the map to success, you would tell yourself, this is what I need to do. Here's my two-year plan, my five-year plan. And in my mind, I, I make this much money. I invest this much money here. I make this step, this step, this step. And then it gets me to success. But then now you're born again and the Holy Ghost is saying, hey, actually scrap that. I want you to go over here and do this. And you say, what? Wait, but here's success. You know, here's the map to success is leading this way. And I need to go here. And he says, no, uh, you know, forget about that. I want you to come over here and do this. What? Lord, that doesn't make sense. I needed, no, you need to come over here and do this. You, all right, Lord, I'll obey you. You step over here, something that seems like it's in the exact complete opposite direction. And then boom, this door opens this door and you meet this person and this connection is made. And then this door opens. And now in like a year's time, in two years time, you get to that place of success that it would have taken you in the flesh 15 years to get there. The Lord just adds it to you by your simple obedience. Are you with me? So this was a fundamental message God, that Christians need to believe. When you get saved, you need to believe this. God will provide all of my needs. Can you say amen? I want you to actually say that out of your mouth, and I want you to say it in faith right now. Say, God will, say will, not might, not maybe. God will provide all of my needs. Let's get back to Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. That's why I tell you, look at this. Do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and, or, and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store up food in their barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, 
He will certainly care for you. Look at this. Why do you have so little faith? So Jesus was literally teaching the people. You know, he wasn't just like thinking, well, it's just all spiritual. You just need to be, you know, you actually just go live in a cardboard box, wear rags, and starve to death. And then when you starve to death, you know, you'll go to heaven. And that's okay, because life on this earth, it just doesn't matter. You'll go to heaven and praise the Lord. You need, Why don't you just take a gun and shoot yourself in the head and get there quicker? It just doesn't make any sense. No, Jesus was talking about their material. Can you say material? He wasn't just talking about spiritual needs. Obviously, the Holy Ghost and Jesus will meet our spiritual needs. He was talking about physical, practical, material needs. Don't worry about the food that you eat. Don't worry about the clothes that you wear. Don't worry about things of everyday life. He says, don't you think God cares? God will provide for you. But then he makes the statement, why do you have so little faith? That's the problem. The problem is never God not providing for us. I'm telling you the truth. The problem is really, we won't believe that God will do it for us. The problem is, I, for the, uh, the normal person, they don't believe it. They don't believe that God will provide all of their practical needs. They don't believe that God will make sure their bills are paid. They don't really truly believe, and we're going to talk about some of this more extensively, that it's impossible. I mean, you to have faith is coming to this point where you say, it's impossible for me to lack something. And you truly mean it. In your heart, you, you're looking at your life saying, it is impossible for my bills to not be paid. It is impossible for my money to go into the... It's literally impossible. I don't have to worry. I don't have to stress. And because we don't believe, we don't receive. Hebrews 11 tells us that everything is received by faith. Everything. Can you say everything is received by faith? So because we won't believe God, we don't, rec we don't receive it. And because we don't believe God and live like we believe God and serve the Lord and seek after the kingdom, we actually spend our whole life serving money and trying to chase after all these other things. And then it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because now you're, when you're born again, you have been translated, the Bible says, into the kingdom of light of his dear son. So you live now in the kingdom. The book of Philippians says you're a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of the kingdom. Now you live in a, in, a, in a new reality. And you're trying to make it work. You know, you're trying to carry the American mindset, the, the old pappy's way of doing things, into the kingdom. And it doesn't work. And then it doesn't work. And you start thinking, well, the Lord, I guess the Lord doesn't provide. I guess it's not true. And we start getting skeptical, doubtful, unbelieving. And we just go around you know, scoffing at people that preach like what I'm preaching to you. No, it doesn't work because it will never work with you doing it your way. You have to believe, just simply believe, simply believe. I'm, if I do what the Lord's told me to do, he will make sure that all of my needs are met. All my material, practical needs are met. So he says, verse 31, do not worry about these things. Can you say, do not worry? Do not worry. Worry is a sin. 
Worrying is actually unbelief. If you're in worry, if you're stressing about something, you're not in faith about that thing. And the Bible says that that, uh, unbelief is sin. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, let me look up that scripture. I'd like to read it. Hopefully you can pick through my ranting and receive what I'm saying to you today. Here we go. Romans 14, 23. Let's look at that. Skip over there. Romans 14, 23. If you have doubts... Okay, let's read it in. Hopefully this is the one I'm looking for. Okay, yeah, for he who doubts is condemned if he eats, but he does not eat from faith. Look at this, here's the point. For, who, for whatever is not from faith is sin. Romans 14, 23. For whatever is not done in faith is sin. So that's exactly what worrying is. You know, we just take it so lightly. If you're worrying, you're not in faith. And if you're worrying, you're in unbelief. And anything not done in faith is sin, the Bible says. And so I want to encourage you, you know, that's why this message is so important. So many people are bound by anxiety. So many people, are they worry themselves to death. They're on medication because they can't keep their blood pressure under control because they live with so much fear and anxiety. It's actually a sin. Jesus says, do not worry. Why do you have such little faith? Amen. Look what he says. Don't worry about these things saying, what will, we, what, will, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Look at this. Verse 32. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Jesus is saying this is the way unbelievers talk. This is the way unbelievers think. You know, you're not an unbeliever. What is he talking about? You're in covenant with God. A person in covenant with God doesn't worry about stupid things like my bills. Are my bills going to get paid? You're not, you don't even understand your covenant with God. When you understand you're in covenant with God, you'll understand it's impossible for my bills to not be paid. When you understand that you're in covenant with God, you'll understand it's impossible for my needs to not be met. When you understand that you're in covenant with God, you'll, you'll understand it's impossible for me to go hungry. It's impossible. Hallelujah. I'm in covenant with the most high God. The God of the universe is in a blood covenant with me where everything that belongs to him now belongs to me. You have to understand that. Man, this is good. So he says, These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your, already knows your needs. Verse 33. 
Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything. Can you say everything? He will give you everything that you need. The point today is God will provide all of your practical needs. John, you just make it sound so easy. So you're telling me that if I just serve the Lord and I just do what he tells me to do and I'm obedient, that he will literally bless me and prosper me and that I'll have everything that I need for the rest of my life. That is exactly what I am telling you. I can't make it any more sense. I'm not going to beat around the bush. That's exactly what I'm telling you. And I'm telling you I'm only 25 years old and I've proven it. I have proven it. I have... (laughs) I've done things that do not make sense, but the Lord told me to do them. And he has blessed us. He's blessed our church. He has provided exceedingly abundantly more than, you know, more. I won't say more than I can imagine because I can imagine a lot, but we're getting there. Hallelujah. The Lord will do it. All you have to do is obey. We'll hit some of these points. More specifically, Do not worry about anything. So I want to go back to Luke 9. Go back to Luke 9. I want to talk about some things specifically. I saw some things this morning in this that that I really loved. The Lord showed me, so I want to share them with you. So Jesus said in verse 3, when he sent out his disciples, he said, Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Number one, do not take a walking stick. I want to break some points down to you that the Lord showed me this morning. God will provide all of your needs. So number one, he said, don't take a walking stick. I want you to write this down. What was a walking stick? The walking stick, that was their strength. Amen. That helped them walk up hills. That helped them, you know, they, they, they didn't have cars. They had to walk for miles and miles and miles. They're in the desert. They're on ground. You know, they're not on like a, a sidewalk that's nice and paved. They're walking up rocks. They're walking on trails. So they'd have a walking stick. Jesus literally told them, do not even take a walking stick. Why? What was his point in that? What was the point that he was trying to get across to them that when they came back and they got to the other side of it, they would look back and say, this is how I got, saw God provide. What was his point? Write this, number, write this down for number one. God will provide your strength. God will provide your strength. There's two ways I want to break this down. First, look at Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. Y'all, I love this. You can believe God for strength. I want to give you permission. You can believe God for strength. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired. And young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Hallelujah. Those who trust. So the Bible says even young people, even young people will get tired. You know, because we have this mindset. A a lot of believers have this mindset that it's just part of growing old. You know, you get old, your body just deteriorates. That's just part of life. Yeah, that's true for the natural person. 
but I actually want to help you take your faith to the next level. That's not what the Bible says has to be your story. The Bible says, yeah, even youth, that's the natural process. Even young people grow weary. Even young people can only run for so long, can only go for so long, can only do so much. But he says, but, can you say but, right? That's like the unregenerated mindset. Like we'll read that, amen. How many, how many of you know everybody's going to get tired every once in a while? How many of you know every preacher's going to need a sabbatical at least once a year? You know, you need to take about a month off because you're going to burn out. You're going to run dry. You know, how many, you can't be ministering if, you, if you're ministering from an empty well. You can't be giving water to other people from an, <coughs> an empty well. We preach like that every hand goes up. Hey man, hey man, I believe it. But, so, but it doesn't stop there. Yes, it says even youth will grow tired. Young men will fall in exhaustion. But, can you say but? But that's not the case for a person who's in covenant with God. It says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Hallelujah. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. So the Bible is literally saying, I can imagine the disciples, he said, don't take a walking stick. They get to the end of that journey and they're like, we literally saw the Lord give us supernatural strength. Y'all want you to think about this, just like Elijah. Elijah received supernatural strength where he outran a horse and a chariot down a mountain. I mean, they literally were like, the Lord gave me strength. I don't know how we were able to go like we went. I don't know how we were able to just feel so regenerated. You know, I wasn't feeling fatigued. I'm not feeling tired. I feel alive. I feel regenerated. You know, the Lord will be the source for your strength. The Lord will provide your strength. The Lord will give you the strength to do what he's called you to do. Hallelujah. Supernaturally. Can you say supernaturally? You know, Moses, the Bible says that Moses was 120 years old when he died. And when he died, it says that his strength never left him and his eyesight never left him. So this mindset that that's just the natural process, you just get old, you get crippled up and you get washed out. No, that's not what the Bible says. You can have strength. If you never stop receiving an assignment from the Lord. If you can live on assignment and, and determine in you that I'm never going to quit, you know, as long as I'm alive on this earth and I'm breathing, I'm going to continue to receive assignments from the Lord. I'm going to continue to live on purpose and on assignment from God. Literally, you never have to grow. Uh, <coughs> your strength never has to diminish. Moses was 120 and it said he still had a strength. He still had his eyesight. Up until the day that he died, the Lord sustained him. The Bible says that Joshua, when the Lord, you know, Joshua was 80 years old and he was still taking cities. He was still on the front line fighting battles. And it says that he still had the strength from the day that when Moses called him. If you read the Bible, Moses called Joshua when he was 40 years old. So here he is being 80 years old and he still has the supernatural strength of a young person. And I want you to believe like this. 
You know, if you're older and you're watching this, the Lord can give you a fresh assignment today and supernaturally he'll give you grace. He'll give you strength to do that. You'll run like a young man and you won't go grow weary. That's why we preach all these messages about, you know, burnout and, and, and all this stupid stuff like that. I understand that people get there, but people really believe that they have to get there. Like the, that's just a part of it. Everybody's going to burn out. Everybody's going to get dry. Everybody, you don't have to. You will run and you will not grow faint, Isaiah 40 says. You will soar high on wings like eagles. You don't ever have to grow tired is what the Bible actually teaches us. Can you say amen? The second part of this, so this is under God will provide your strength. We're talking about lessons about provision. The Bible, don't take a walking stick because God will provide your strength. Here's another layer that I want to add to this. Write this down. God will do the doing, you do the going. What do I mean by that? Excuse me. So, not only will God give you physical strength, but I want to talk to you about the grace of God, the anointing of God. So, several times, Apostle Paul makes the statement. He says, I am an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ by the grace of God. So, what is he saying by the grace of God? The point that the Apostle Paul was trying to make was Paul was saying, look, you know, Paul had signs, Paul had wonders, Paul had miracles, Paul had all these amazing things. He built churches all over the, the Gentile, uh, you know, all throughout the, the Roman Empire, into Asia Minor. He built churches all over the place. He apostled many. He saw thousands come to the Lord. He did one of the greatest works of the Lord in human history. But he says, he makes this statement. It's all by God's grace. What does that mean? You know, was Paul just like the most gifted, talented, anointed, amazing person that ever walked the face of the planet like he was a superhuman? No. What Paul was saying was, literally, guys, you don't understand. I just simply go where the Lord tells me to go and, and things blow up. The Lord tells me to go somewhere and do something. And when I go and do it, I don't even feel like I'm doing anything special. I don't feel like I'm pre preaching anything special or amazing. You know, in fact, the Bible says that the message of the gospel is foolish to those that are perishing. It's such a simple message that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin without sin. You know, born from a virgin, came into this world. He went to the cross. He paid the price for your sins. He was buried, but he rose again from the dead. And he ascended and he's seated at the right hand of God. It's a very simple message. But the Bible says the gospel is the power of God at work saving all who believe. So Paul went around like, you know, the Lord told me to go to Ephesus. And I showed up. I went to the synagogue. I started, you know, I opened the Bible and just started kind of proving from the scriptures that, that this person, Jesus Christ, was the Messiah. And things just blew up. And it wasn't by my own strength. It wasn't by my own power. It was by the Spirit, the grace of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And so this is what the disciples, you know, this is one of the layers of that. Don't take a walking stick. God will be the source of your power. 
If you actually read that, they came back rejoicing. Uh, we read in Luke chapter 10, 17. It says, they came back and joyfully reported, even the demons obey us when we use your name. You know, so I, I can just imagine this. They came back and, you know, they didn't go up to people and like, okay, we got to get in the mode. You know, let's, let's get ready. Let's do this. And they're doing the rain dance and they're dancing around. They're putting war paint on and then yeah, going off in tongues. No, like literally there was a demon possessed person and it's like they walk up just like Jesus. They look at their hand. Okay, what did Jesus do? In the name of Jesus, come out. Boom, they just come out. And they're like, well, I didn't even have to do it. All I did was use your name. That's it. It's that simple. God will be the source of your power. God will be the source of your strength. Look what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 3 through 4. Paul told the Corinthians, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching was very plain. Look at that, very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on God's power and the power of the Holy Spirit. So basically, the, Paul said, look, I didn't come up there preaching the most Stephen Furtick, elaborate, clever, illustrated messages anybody ever heard. He said, I came to you very plain. I came to you like non, I was not impressive whatsoever. But he said, what happened? Miracles happened. Signs happened. Demons were cast out. Crippled people were healed. Miracles followed Paul's ministry, even though he just presented everything very plainly. Why? He said, I actually did this purposely so that you would put your faith in the power of God, the power of the Holy Ghost. And so here's my point. All you have to do is go where God calls you to go, and there's an anointing that goes with you. There's a grace that goes with you. You don't have to figure out, how do I have to make this work? How can I, you know, and I'm not telling you to be a bum and sit on your hands. Obviously, you take what the Lord gives you and you do your best with it. You multiply what the Lord puts in your hands. We see that from the parable of the, of the talents that Jesus talked about. No, but what I'm telling you is you don't have to do it in the flesh. You don't have to make something happen and make something work. Simply seek first the kingdom. Go where the Lord tells you to go. Do what the Lord tells you to do. Work where the Lord tells you to work. Be obedient to the voice of the Holy Ghost. And by the grace, the anointing, supernaturally, things will blow up. You'll succeed. You'll prosper. And you'll get on the other side of it and say, like, that was the favor of God. Things opened up for me. Promotions opened up for me that I wasn't even qualified for. You'll, you'll have that testimony. God will be the source of your success. He'll be the source of your strength. He'll be the source of the power. So you do the doing and uh, you, you do the, God will do the doing, you do the going. You know, God told Kenneth Hagin at one point for a long time in his ministry he was like so frustrated because he wanted to see miracles, which we should. He's like, I want to see healing. I want to see miracles, 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 miracles. And finally, the Holy Ghost told him, you preach the word and I'll do the miracles. Just preach the word of God and then listen to my voice. And, and I will back what you preach with signs, wonders, and miracles. So he stopped trying to make it happen, and he simply presented the word of God in the truest form, and miracles, things broke loose. You know, he would be just sitting there preaching. 
He's not a shouter and what you know, going crazy. He's sitting there just if you listen to Kenneth Hagin, just like very casually preaching the word of God. People get up and start running around there, and the anointing of God hits the room. You do the going and God will do the doing. Go where he tells you to go. Do what he tells you to do. And supernatural things will take place because there's an anointing that goes with you. There's a grace that goes with you when you're on assignment from God. Hallelujah. I want you to say this. Let's make this confession. This was the point. God will provide my strength. Say this. It is impossible for my strength to fail. Say it out of your mouth. It is impossible for my strength to fail. If you're over the age of 50 years old, I want you to declare that. Right now, speak to your body. You may feel weak and tired. Say it right now. It is impossible for my strength to fail. Now say this. It is impossible for me to fail. It is impossible. If you know I am on assignment from the Lord, I'm, you, I'm doing what the Lord told me to do, it is impossible for me to fail. It is impossible for me to fail. Stop worrying. Well, what if this happens? What if this doesn't work out? Get out of stress and worry and get it in you. I'm in covenant with God. He's going to supernaturally make this happen and make this work. It is impossible for me to fail. Hallelujah. Number two, Jesus told them in Luke chapter 9, he said, take nothing with you. He said, don't take a walking stick. We just covered walking stick. Don't take a traveler's bag. Can you say traveler's bag? This is verse 3. Traveler's bag. Here's the point. This one's just very simple. Very simple, straight to the, to the point. You know, what's in a traveler's bag? That's anything that you need in order to do what the Lord's called you to do. Jesus, look, you need a toothbrush? God will provide a toothbrush. You need gas in your car to do what the Lord's told you to do? God will provide gas in your car. Hallelujah. You need a car to do what God's told you to do. God will provide a car. Don't take anything with you. God will provide every practical thing that you need in order to do the thing that he's called you to do. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? I'll never forget the day the Lord told us. The, the, the day that the Lord told us to, to run this van route, and we knew we need to pick these kids up to get them to youth. And I began to put my faith out. Lord, I need you to provide a van for us. The Lord supernaturally brought in. We paid like $1,000, and the money came in instantaneously. People heard about what we were doing. They said, I'll give 1000 for that. I'll give, you know, I think we ended up paying close to maybe 2000 after it was all said and done. We got a van. We had a brand new motor put in it. I mean, the Lord will provide everything that you need to do the thing that he's called you to do. God will never tell you to do something and then you just sit there like, okay, now figure it out. Make it happen. No. If he told you to do it, he'll provide everything that you need in order to do it. And it doesn't matter. There's no amount that's too great for the Lord. I need you to get that in your spirit. And if God told us right now, and I felt a, a word from God, I want you to build a $100,000 studio. You're going to have these cameras. You're going to do, I'm telling you right now, the money would come in in a, in a matter of a week. The cameras would start rolling in. Everything would start coming in. God will provide everything that you need, every practical thing that you need in order to do what he's called you to do. Don't bring a traveler's bag. 
I just imagine they, you know, the disciples get to the end of this and they really see this. God will meet all, say all, all of my needs. Provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory, the Bible says. Hallelujah. I want you to say this. Say, it is impossible for me to not have everything that I need. It is impossible for me to not have everything that I need. Make that declaration every single day. Your kids need things. Your kids need, you know, they need general things to live. We're going to talk about clothes and stuff specifically because that's something Jesus mentioned. But, you know, your kids need school supplies. Your kids need money, right? You know, they, they want to be kids. They want to go out and hang out with their friends. They need little things. God will provide everything that you need. You need to believe that. It's impossible for me to not have everything that I need. And if you'll truly believe that, you'll stop worrying. How am I going to make that happen next month? No. You, I, does, Lord, I, it's going to happen because it's impossible for it to not happen. Hallelujah. Number three. He said, don't take anything with you. Don't take a walking stick. Don't take a traveler's bag. Don't take food. There's no symbolic meaning here. Literally, he said food. He meant food. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 that we just read. Look at, the, look at the birds of the air. They don't feed themselves. Don't sit around and wonder, what will I eat? What will I drink? This is the way that, that unbelievers think. This is what dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. Hallelujah. Jesus, say this, when I got saved, I got fed. Now that I'm in covenant with God, it's impossible for me to go hungry. It's impossible. As my family grows, I want you to hear, hear this. You know, there was a season where whenever I was single and I was engaged to Carissa, she lived in Temple, Texas. I lived in New Mexico. I had my own apartment. You know, feeding myself <coughs> was very easy. I remember the days I could pull up to Taco Bell and get a $5 box, and my dinner for that night was like 6 bucks for me, myself, and I. And then I remember the day that I added a wife into my family. Now I'm providing for two mouths. Now I got to pay for two mouths. Then I remember the day that, that Emberly Grace got added to our family. Now I'm feeding three people. Now, here in, in a few days, a matter of t it's just a matter of time, we're adding a fourth mouth to the family. Now I'm feeding a wife and two little girls. And I want to tell you, you know, obviously the, the groceries, like I look at now, we don't like to eat junk food. You know, my wife will go to the store, she'll spend $200 a week on groceries. And I, I have no problem with it. And I want to tell you, every single time that we've entered into a new season where that need is actually grows because our household's growing, you know, we need different things, we need more things, the Lord will provide everything that you need. You will not go hungry. Hallelujah. If you have 17 kids, God's going to provide the income for you to feed 17 kids. You will have everything that you need. In fact, look what David said. I love this. This is one of my favorite verses as well. Psalms 37, 25. I have been young and now I'm old. 
Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Hallelujah. What was David saying? David was saying, here's one thing. He's at the end of his life, and he's saying, this is a lesson that I've learned <coughs> over the course of my life. He was saying, I was young, and now I'm old. And there's one thing that I can say for sure. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. So David was saying, I've never seen one time. I've never met one person. One person. And he was the king. Can you imagine the people that he saw? He went into territories. He won battles. He destroyed the Philistines. He expanded the kingdom. He saw a lot of people. And, and I want you to think about this. He didn't live in a time where there was welfare. He didn't live in a time where there was food stamps. He didn't live in a time of government assistance. He lived in a time where if you weren't farming, you didn't have a, a job, you were poor. You were a beggar. And, and David makes the statement, I have never seen in all my life one person who truly walks in covenant with God and, and, and then the Lord has forsaken them. They're not blessed. They're not prospering. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, or he says, or their seed, or his seed begging for bread. So he says, I've never seen, I have never seen a person who walks in, co in, in, in covenant with God begging on the streets without food, without their, you know, without provision, without their needs being met. I've never seen it. What is he trying to say? It's impossible. If you're walking in covenant with God, you will not be a beggar. If you're walking in covenant with God, you will not be homeless. If you're walking in covenant with God, you will not lack anything. You will be in supply. Your, your needs will be supplied to the fullest. Can you say amen? So, you know, I'm telling you, I've personally seen this. We had a guy reach out to us after we did our, our event, Celebrate Huntington. And, you know, he reached out. And, and this is how it happens all the time. I'm not saying this to condemn anybody. I'm telling you, I've seen this firsthand. He reached out and he was, you know, wanting us to buy him something, do something. And I said, look, here's the thing. I started talking to him. He said, me and my whole family, we live off the side of the highway. We live in a tent off a highway. And, and you know, I think he was wanting me to furnish a place for them to live. And I said, okay, I want to make this very clear. I have no problem with the money thing. I have no problem giving people money. But let's get to the root of this. There needs to be repentance. And so I asked him, you know, first off, I said, brother, you know, let me ask you, how's your relationship with the Lord? You know what I got? I'm sure you can guess it. Oh, I, me and the Lord, I walk with the Lord. I know Jesus. I'm in covenant with God. And I literally, look, I'm not going to be around the bush. You're lying. You are lying to me. Because the Bible says, if you truly knew Jesus and were walking in covenant with God, you wouldn't be living in a tent off the side of the highway. I'm not condemning you. I'm speaking the truth. There are things in your life that need to be repented of. I don't know if it's drug use. I don't know it, what it is. I don't, I don't care to know. All the thing that I, here's the point. Let's solve the problem. Because I want to tell you right now, I could give you a hundred bucks. I could buy an apartment and put you in it. But I could sit there 
And this illustration was given, I think it was my brother Tanner that was saying this yesterday. It's like weed eating. You know, you go out, we got weeds that grow up in our parking lot. I can go out there and I can weed eat those weeds. And what happens a week later? They just grow. I can knock them down to the ground, but they're just going to grow. Why? Because their roots are still intact. I didn't deal with the actual issue. If I want to get rid of the problem, I got to get to the root. And the root of a person that's living in a tent off the side of a highway is they need to repent. They need to come into covenant with God. They need to get right with Jesus Christ. So I actually, you know, and so my point is I, I can give you money. I have no problem. The Lord gives us plenty of money. The Lord will give us more money. We give, give, give. But I, I'll give you money. I'll do that. And I want to address the issue. I'm not just going to give you money and say, God bless you. You know, that's what you need is money. No, let's get to the issue. So I told him, I said, here, this guy lived 45 minutes away. He lived close to die ball. And I actually said, here's the thing. You come to church. Well, I can't come to church. Okay, sure. Whatever. That's fine. You know, you guys came to the other event that we did. You drove because we were giving stuff away, uh, which is great and fine. That's why we did that. So we said, you know what, we'll come get you. So we sent a church van 45 minutes away. I said, we'll come get you. We'll bring you to church. I want your whole family to come to church. I want you to hear the word of God. I want to pray with you. I want to get to the root of what's going on. We'll get you saved. I'll get the baptism tank ready. We'll baptize you. And here's the thing. I'll go put you up in a place to stay. I said that. I said that. But here's the contingency. You've got to come. You've got to get plugged in. You've got to come. And so he said, okay, sure. Okay, we're going to be there to pick you up. We go, drive 45 minutes, driving up and down this highway. And then we get there and they act like, oh, no, we don't want to come. You know, we're not. And here's my point. That is my, that is my point. There's people that just want, they're just wanting money. They're just wanting, uh, you know, a quick fix. It is impossible it is impossible to be in covenant with God and to be living on the side of a street, to be living where you're a beggar. G David said, I, am, I was young and now I'm old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken. That means if you're living a life that you're being forsaken, that you're, the, you're not blessed, you're cursed. I want to tell you, you're not the righteous. You're not righteous and you can get righteous. You can enter into covenant with God. And you can get out of that situation. But I'm telling you, every single time, there's a drug problem. There's an alcohol problem. There's a sin problem. There's a, I don't, I actually have no interest. You know, I know how to manipulate people. I just want you to give me what you want to give me. And Christians are so gullible and dumb sometimes. We just do it. Cut right to the end of it. No, you need to repent. If you don't want to repent, I'm not doing anything. You know, that's not the way that this works. It's impossible. Say this. It is impossible for me to go hungry. The disciples came back. Jesus said, don't take any food. They came back. I want to tell you, they didn't come back with their ribs showing. They probably came back with leftovers in their bag. We saw the Lord provide. He sent us out with nothing, and we came back with, 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 with things. We, came, we were, went out with nothing, and we came back with a full supply. Came back with bellies full, came back singing and dancing and whistling, skipping down the road because they saw the Lord provide, because they were walking in covenant and obedience to God. Hallelujah. I'm going to wrap this up.
He said, take nothing with you for your journey. He instructed them. Don't take a walking stick. Don't take a traveler's bag. Don't take food. Don't take money. I want you to get the same money. Number four, God will provide money. We said God will provide strength. God will provide everything that you need in order to do what he told you to do. God will provide food. God will provide money. So many people feel guilty about believing God for money. I don't know if you know this, but like literally it takes money. It, it does. This may be revelatory for some people that just want to sit there and act like, you know, that's wicked and that's evil and all these things. I'm like, dude, how did you eat? You know, did you buy your groceries with toothpicks? Like, let's not be stupid here. It takes money to live. And in fact, it takes money to do the will of God. You know, the Lord, the Lord gave us an assignment. We're, we're doing this event next month, May 15th. I'm going to tell you about it at the end of this broadcast called Celebrate Huntington. It's going to cost us about $3,000. By the time we get the, some of the giveaways we're doing and the advertising, I mean, I couldn't even begin to tell you how, what we're going to be spending to advertise this, to send direct mail to people's homes and, and to get people there to hear the gospel. But it takes money. We're believing God for $3,000 to come in. And we're, we're going forth. It will come in. It will be provided. But it takes money to live. And it takes money to do the thing that God tells you to do. Hallelujah. My brother Kofi, he's in Ghana right now. He's doing crusades. You know, he's preaching to masses of people in Africa the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, that doesn't happen for free. Lights cost money. Sound equipment costs money. A stage costs money. Advertising costs money. Very practical things that you have to do. It costs money. And here's the most amazing thing. Jesus told them, don't take money with you. He wanted to show them that God would provide them money. Hallelujah. You know, Lester Summerall, I want you to think about this. This is a really funny story. Lester Summerall, he was a missionary all over the planet, evangelist, and the Lord called him to come back to the United States in the last part of his life. And, he, and the Lord told him to buy a broadcasting station. Uh, and so he was going to start broadcasting through television and getting the gospel to people. He was one of the you know, early people to, to kind of have vision to do some of that stuff. And so, <coughs> excuse me. And so he... Uh, you know, he, he went to buy this thing, and it was going to cost him a couple million dollars. And he said that immediately when the Lord told him to do that, and he began to step through these doors, like a million dollars just came into the ministry like the snap of a finger in a blink of an eye. And he was sitting there like with his jaw to the floor. And he was like, Lord, he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, you know, I've been in the ministry for 50 years. I've never seen money, just like this amount of money just come in like that. And the Lord responded immediately and said, yeah, because you've never needed money like you've needed. Now we're going to get into the El Shaddai, the God of more than enough and abundance. But I want you to think about that. The Lord said, I've given you assignment where you need millions of dollars. You, you weren't operating at a level. You weren't doing anything that actually, you know, required that. Kenneth Copeland, people think about prosperity. You know, they think, well, everybody, God just wants to give everybody a private jet just to fly around and, you know, live in luxury, go on vacation. And it's so stupid. 
You know, there's so many people, they would never get a private jet from the Lord because they don't need one. They'd have nowhere to go. You know, if a, there's many preachers, me included. If God gave me a private jet right now, it wouldn't make sense. I don't have meetings all over the planet. I don't have meetings booked all over the United States where I'm preaching in three locations all over the world three days back to back that you can't fly a commercial airline to do that. And people are so dumb, they think like, you know, th these ministers, if they were to fly commercial airlines, they, they would have to stop doing like 70% of what they do because they're literally here and then they're there and then they're in Europe and then they're in, you know, Asia and then they're back in the United States. They're flying all over the planet. You can't fly commercial and do as much as they're doing. It takes time. You, know, you have layovers, you have stops, you have connecting flights, all this other junk. They would have to cut out like 70% of what they do. But people are just ignorant and they act like they're just flying around their backyard doing loops, you know. So the Lord told Lester Summerall, he said, you've never had that provision because you've never needed it. So God will provide the money that you need. Can you say amen? Let me show you one of my favorite verses. And I know I keep saying that. Maybe I just love the whole Bible. I don't know. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 11, it says this. It says, remember, a farmer who plants a few seeds gets a small crop, but the one who plants generously gets a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. So Paul's taking up an offering for Jerusalem. This is obviously talking about money. Can you say money? Don't give reluctantly or a response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God, look at this, God. Can you say God? God will generously provide. Say provide. All that you need. God will generously provide all that you need. And he says, you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely, give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be, will be remembered forever. Look at this. For God is the one who provides, say provides, seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide, say provide, and increase your resources. Then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous look at that word provide i've actually never seen that used three times just in that passage god will paul was literally telling them not only will god give you he'll provide seed for the sower and bread to eat so he's like god will give you everything that you need for your life and not only that when you begin to give He'll actually increase you and enrich you so that you can be generous and, and give generously. You can begin to meet other people's needs. God will provide your money. I can just imagine that lesson that the disciples learned the day that Jesus needed to pay a temple tax. And he said, hey, go fishing. They went fishing and they pulled a coin out of a fish mouth and literally paid Jesus' tax, the disciples' tax, some other people's tax. And they're just sitting there astounded learning the lesson 
If you need money, which everybody needs money, it takes money to live, God will provide the money that you need. Can you say amen? I want you to make this decree. Say this. It is impossible. It is impossible for me to run out of money. Get this in your spirit. I'm in covenant with God. It is impossible for my bank account to run dry. You know that that's something that I actually decree every day. Jesus said in Mark 11, 22 through 24, he said, if you believe those things that you say and have not doubt, you shall have the things that you say. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, you shall have it. So Jesus said, I can speak, and if I believe and I speak in faith, I can have the things that I say. So what do I say every day? I make confessions. One of my confessions is I say, it, I'll say this, my ministry will succeed and prosper. It is scripturally illegal and impossible for my ministry to fail and for my bank account to run dry. Bank account, I command you to fill up now in Jesus' name. Church, I command you to fill up right now in Jesus' name. The devil and all devil spirits are rebuked from interfering with my ministry in any way whatsoever by the blood of Jesus according to the word of the Lord. My ministry will succeed and prosper. I make that confession every single day. Hallelujah. I say every day. I make that, con that confession almost every day. I try to do it every day. Some days I don't. I'm like, all right, I need to do this every single day. Because he said, I can have the things that I say. And if I believe I received it, I'll have it. So I confess that it is impossible for me to run out of money. You need to believe that, that this is a promise, a fact, a provision in the covenant that you belong to. It is impossible for me to run out of money. Hallelujah. Number five, Jesus said, take nothing with you, a, travel, a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even, look at this, even a change of clothes. This is just very self-explanatory. This is God will meet all your practical needs. He'll, 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 he'll give you the strength that you need. He'll give you all things that you need to do the thing that he's called you to do. He'll provide your food. He'll, he'll give you money. God will give you clothes. Jesus said, God will provide the clothes that you need. We read in Matthew chapter 6. Literally, he said, look around at the lilies of the field. They're beautiful. Look how beautiful that the fields are. More beautiful than Solomon and all of his splendor. The Lord sees your needs. Won't the Lord do this for you? Won't the Lord outfit you? And not only will he outfit you, the point, if you read Matthew chapter 6, he, he doesn't do it. He doesn't give his children rags. Can you say amen? God will give me the best. Can you say God will give me the best? Hallelujah. I'm not really like, there's one thing that I like. I'm not into big fancy jeans. I buy jeans from uh, Target or Academy. I like the little Wrangler jeans from Academy. If I'm going to get a nice pair of jeans, I'll go to Cavenders and get some Ariat jeans or something to wear with boots. And I like t-shirts. I like, you know, nice shirts. I have no problem going to JCPenney and getting a suit jacket, like Stratford suit jacket. No, no problem with that. I'm not a very luxurious, you know, I don't want a $10,000 watch. I have no desire for that. 
there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not a desire of my heart. I do like nice boots though. I really like that's my thing. I love nice boots. I love exotic boots. I love quality boots. But I, I have that desire. I look at my wife. I look at my wife. I want her to have the best. I want her to have the best purse. I want her to have the best clothes. I want her to have the nicest shoes. I want her, I want her to have the best car. I want to give her the absolute best. And look what the Bible says. I look at my daughter, Emberly. I want her to have the best. You know, she was wearing something this morning. And I looked at my wife and I said, babe, you know, you know, I want to, let's change, let's put her in something different. I don't want her walking around town looking like she belongs to a crackhead or something. No offense, no condemnation if somebody's watching this that's on crack. I love you. God bless you. Jesus will definitely redeem you and save you. But I just don't want my daughter walking around like that. You know, I want her to have the best. I want her to wear the best. I saw her this morning. She was carrying this little bag. She had a little mermaid in it and like a little purse. And she's, she, you know, it just blows my mind. I never had to tell my daughter to be a little girl. She's a little girl. Hallelujah. And so I looked at her and I said, baby, you're going to cost your daddy a lot of money. And she said, yep, I am. I'm just thinking when she's a teenager, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. But I'm, I, it, it actually delights me. It makes me satisfied. It makes me happy. Blessing my wife, blessing my child, my, my child that's coming, blessing my children in that way. And we think that it's wrong to believe God for the best, right? Like, well... God wants to keep me humble. He doesn't want me to have a purse that's that nice. He doesn't want me to have a jacket that's that nice, clothes that are that nice. No, Jesus literally proved to his disciples, I will provide your clothes. Look at the lilies. Look, they're more beautiful than Solomon, the richest person that ever lived. Don't you understand what God will do for you? And the Bible says in Matthew 7, 11, if you sinful people know how to give your good gifts to your children, he says, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? So the point is, I'm not a sinful person, but I'm an earthly, I, I really believe I'm born again and the desire that I have to bless my family comes from the Holy Spirit. That's something that the Holy Spirit has put in me. I want them to have the best. I want to give them the best. That's the way that God sees us. How much more do your, does your heavenly father want to give good gifts when he wants to he says i'll provide your clothes he's not talking about rags he's not talking about second blessings a shirt that's three times too small and got a, a spaghetti stain on it he will give you the best can you say amen good gifts look at romans eight thirty two. says since he did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all won't he also give us everything else? So the Bible says, if God would not spare even his own son, Jesus Christ, how much more will he give us everything else? Hallelujah. And that just will defeat that mindset in you. That mindset that, you know, it's not okay for me to believe for these things. It's not okay that I have these things. That'll break that mindset out of you. If God would not even withhold the most valuable thing to him, his son, Jesus Christ, his one and only son, how much more will he give you all things? How, how much more? You think that if God would be willing to give you his only son, you think that he has a problem giving you a, a shirt? You think he has a problem giving you something nice to wear? 
You think he has a problem giving you a car or a house? If he would not withhold even his only son, how much more will he give you all thanks? Can you say amen? I want you to write this down. The point today, God will provide all, say all, of your practical needs, not just spiritual needs. God will provide all of your needs. This is the first lesson from seven lessons from Luke 9 about provision. The first lesson that I want you to learn that Jesus instilled in his disciples, God will supply all of your needs. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for my friends that watch this, that are watching and that watch this back. I pray that this builds faith inside of them. I pray that they begin to have faith to believe for things they've never believed for. And as they begin to believe, they shall receive those things that they believe in Jesus' name. Thank you for the provision that you're supplying. Thank you for the doors that you're opening. Thank you for the increase that you, have, that you are bringing in Jesus' name. As they begin to believe it, they shall have it and receive it in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We love you. I want to give you guys an opportunity to give right now. If you would like to give something that we're doing, I'm going to show you the graphic for it. Is on May 15th, we're doing Celebrate Huntington. Let me go ahead and put that up. Celebrate Huntington. We're believing God for $3,000 to come in for this event. We're going to do it anyways. Uh, so I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I really need your help. And if you don't give, you know, we're not going to be able to do this. No, the Lord's going to supply. Just like I preached your, his word to you, the Lord has done it for us again and again. And he'll continue to do it. But we're believing God to supply $3,000 for this outreach. Uh, the last outreach we did, I'm going to end this broadcast with a recap video. We had over 217 people come, 17 salvations, first-time salvations, and we were able to feed 100 people. Now we're believing God for even more. You know, that was, that was number one. We're believing God for increase, more salvations, more attendance. We want to help more people. So we're advertising the heck out of this to get people to come. We're going to be giving away TVs, hoverboards, bicycles, gift cards, bill pays, food boxes, all these giveaways to get people there. And we're going to preach the gospel, give people an opportunity to receive Christ. We're going to lay hands on the sick. We're going to pray for people. We're going to bring the kingdom of heaven into this community. So we're believing God for $3,000 to come in for this event. If you'd like to give, the ways that you can give are on the bottom of the screen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What I'm going to do is that if you give your best gift, you'll say, you know what, I'll sow a seed and I'm going to give God my best. We're going to give you this shirt just to say thank you, that we appreciate what you're doing. I'm going to also post in the comments the, way that, the ways that you can give at the end of this broadcast. But just to say thank you, we're going to send you a shirt for free. We'll ship it to you. We'll say thank you. Uh, we appreciate you. And so these are shirts that we've designed, just believing for revival in the state of Texas. Hallelujah. If you're looking for seed, if you're looking for a place to sow seed, I just want to encourage you. As we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, God will increase you and enrich you in every way. As you begin to be a sower, God gives seed to the sower and bread to eat. This is, this is your path for prosperity, is putting seed into the ground. 
I'm constantly looking for places to put seed. <clears throat> and I've literally seen God continue to take us to greater levels, continue to gr- take us to greater uh, levels of provision that he brings back in our life. And so we're believing God for $3,000. There's people that could watch this. You could write a $3,000 check and never miss it. I want to tell you, Jesus said the seed that was sown in good soil will go forth and produce 30, 60, even 100 fold. If you wrote a $3,000 check, a 30 fold return on that is $90,000. That's the minimal. Let's look, 3,000 times 660. 180,000, 3,000 times 100, that's 300,000. So you have 90,000, 180,000, and then you had uh, 300,000. You know, that's a return biblically promised you, Matthew 13, 8. I believe that. There's people that could do that without even blinking. The Lord's brought you to that level of prosperity in your life. I want to tell you, begin to sow seed and believe God for the Bible harvest. A Bible level of return. People, oh, okay, I gave a thousand bucks and, you know, maybe somewhere down the line the Lord gave me a thousand dollars back. That's not the way that it works. He doesn't give you back what you give. He said it'll come back pressed down, shaken together, running over to make room for more poured into your lap. The seed sown on um, fertile soil will produce 30, 60, 100. So we're believing God for $3,000. Maybe three people that could sow a thousand dollars. Maybe six people that could sow $500. Maybe one person that could say, you know what, I'll pay for the whole event. And I want to tell you, when we had 17 salvations, we're believing for, I believe God for 50 salvations and increase. And when you can stand and say, Lord, you know, I was obedient and I funded that work being done in this community. I, there is a, there's a reward not only stored up in heaven for you, but you put yourself... You separate yourself into a different category of people. You mark yourself into a different category to be used by God. And then I'm telling you right now, according to God's word, he will put resources into your hand according to the level that you sow at. And so if you'd like to sow, one more time, we're believing the Lord for $3,000. I love you guys. I'll play the event for you one more time. I'll show you the flyer. The shirts that were given. Hallelujah. Let me just pray for you if you're sowing. Thank you, Father, for the seed. Lord, I don't even have to pray for the seed to go forth and produce a harvest. According to your word, your Bible says in Galatians 3, verse 6, we cannot mock the justice of God. We will always reap what we sow. We will always reap what we sow. You said in Galatians 3, 9, uh, you said, that we do not grow weary in well-doing because we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Father, I thank you that that seed will go forth and produce a harvest and be returned to the sower in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Guys, I love Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. 
Until next time, this is John Wallace.